thank God for his favor. I said, thank God for his favor, for his blessing on our lives. Amen. I love that song. I love how it's just acknowledging that we serve a God who wants to pour his goodness out, not only on our lives, but on the lives of our children and even our children's children. Right? Amen. And even if you have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, you know, just believe in God that he wants to touch them and he wants to reach them. He wants to grab hold of their lives and draw them back to himself. That's what we say. We say, Lord, your favor, hallelujah, on a thousand generations, Lord God. And Lord, our prodigal sons and daughters are coming home, God. And your favor, Lord, is going to reach them and touch them and keep them. Amen. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, give the Lord a praise. We do, Lord. We trust your grace. We trust your favor, Lord. You're a mighty God. Hallelujah. All right. Good to see everybody here today. Welcome to the Mission Church. If you are new to our family, God bless you. It's good to have you with us today. My name is Greg Johnson. I serve here as the lead pastor, and we're so glad that you're here. If you're uh, joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It's good to have you with us as well. Amen. We'll turn around and shake a hand, give somebody a hug, and you can go ahead and be seated. Tell somebody welcome. Tell somebody God bless you. Tell somebody, man, you look good today. Praise the Lord. We're excited about uh, connect groups that are going to be starting in a couple of weeks. Next, uh, next month in September, we'll have a connect group launch, and I really want to encourage everyone to, uh, to go to our website and check out connect groups and uh, everything that is available there for you. I want to thank, uh, thank you, Stevie, for uh, helping us out with our social skills and connect groups. We all, we all need that a little bit. And uh, yeah, if you need any you know, personal social advice, you could check out Stevie personally, connect with him. He'll be glad to, to give you some coaching if you need that. For now, take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, we're continuing on in our series uh, in the book of Acts. And uh, today we're going to be at the end part of chapter 15. I think this may be a familiar story, a familiar uh, account to most of us, uh, um, a conflict that developed between the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and, uh, and some life application lessons for us today. Acts 15, we're in verse 36. It says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Verse 39. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Did you see that? Paul and Barnabas. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 
very interesting um, occurrence here between these two spiritual giants, these, these leaders, who uh, encountered a conflict, a disagreement between them that actually caused them to, to part ways. The conflict centered around this young man whose name was John, also called Mark. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, tells us that, that John, or Mark, was actually a cousin of Barnabas. We're first introduced to him in Acts chapter 12, where we see that Mark um, lives in a well-to-do home, an affluent family. In fact, it's in his mother's house, John Mark's mother's house, where all the disciples gathered to pray for Peter while Peter was in prison, and he was miraculously released. And so when you read that account, you'll see that this was a very large house, which means that this is a family. John Mark's family is a very affluent, very well-to-do family. And then on their first missionary journey together, we see that Mark was recruited to join Paul and Barnabas. But on the way, in Acts chapter 13, something happened where Mark abandoned them, and he went home to his mother's house in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but the, the context indicates there that Mark may have panicked and, uh, and became discouraged or frightened when things became difficult or, or hard on the journey. And so now, as Paul and Barnabas are preparing for their second missionary journey, Barnabas wants to bring his cousin Mark along with them. But Paul says, no way. He is not coming with us. And understand that this was not just you know, a, a typical disagreement. The Bible calls it a sharp contention that, de that developed between the two. How many understand what, that, what that's like? A sharp contention. Anybody here? Okay, maybe five or six of you understand what that's like. But the issue here that developed between the two, these two leaders, um, it drove a wedge between them and divided them, and we don't know if they were ever reconciled. We don't know if they ever came back, back together. The Bible doesn't indicate that to us. But it speaks to us about the reality that exists in many relationships and that many of us will encounter in dealing with people. Everybody say people. We all have to deal with people. We have to live with people. We have to work with people. We exist in relationships with people. We, inter we interact with people. We have to get along with people. And, and, and this wouldn't be a problem for us if everybody could just get along and agree with me. <laughs> but the reality is that People have opinions, people disagree, and people want you to do what they think you should do, and they try to pressure you, and people try to manipulate you, and people try to control you, and, and for some, if you don't go along with their opinions on whatever it is, politics or, or morality or, or the, the, the COVID vaccine, you know, people will get worked up. And, and we're living in a day when if, if you don't agree with certain people, they're going to go on social media and call you out and attack you and try to bully you and force you into agreeing with their their position. And we've seen these attacks on social media. We've seen this stuff going on on social media. 
In fact, I, I, don't, um, I don't think I've ever quoted Mike Tyson from the pulpit, but Mike Tyson said this. He said, social media made you all way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. So, <laughs> a little wisdom there from, uh, from Mike Tyson, right? So, but most of us have experienced these kinds of disagreements. Disagreements that have become so sharp that they've caused divisions in our lives similar to what Paul and Barnabas have experienced, even to the point where some of these relationships that once were strong and healthy have turned toxic. So today, I want to look at this conflict that developed between Paul and Barnabas, these two godly men, these two spiritual leaders. How many know that conflict can develop between spiritual leaders too? Yes? Amen? Yeah? And I want to look at this, and I think we can find... was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them. Paul had boundaries. He had expect, Paul had standards. And if you were going to be a close companion of Paul, and he was going to give you access to his life and entrust you to be on his life journey, then he had standards and he had boundaries. So what are boundaries? Boundaries that we set based on standards that we have to define what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior and what happens if people break those boundaries. And what Paul shows us is that it's okay to have boundaries for people in our lives. It's okay to have standards, right? And Paul basically said, if you're unreliable, if you, if you don't keep your word, if you're unfaithful, if you show yourself untrustworthy, then you're not going to be on my team and you're not going to be someone that I consider a trusted confidant that's going to be on my life, in my life journey, right? And Paul's telling us it's okay for us to have these kinds of standards. To be able to say, you know, if, if you're the kind of person who's unreliable, if you're the kind of person who shows himself, herself untrustworthy, and, and you betray confidences, and, and you're, you're unfaithful, you have a bad attitude, then you know what? I'm not going to entrust you to be a confidant on my life journey. Some of us need to have boundaries in our lives because we're letting people come in and out of our lives at will and do anything that they want with us or to us or around us without any consequences. Can you say consequences? Consequences, right? There are people that, that you've allowed into your life that are treating you like a doormat, that are taking advantage of you, that are speaking to you like you're dirt. And Paul says, 
You know what? If someone does not live up to a proper standard of acceptable behavior, it's okay to say to them, oh no, you don't. Hello? Oh no, you're not coming with me on my journey. Right? That if someone mistreats you, that if someone is inappropriate in their behavior, if they disrespect you, if they insult you, if they lie to you, if they're cheating on you, then they should not be a travel partner on your journey through life. Amen? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Now understand something. When you have boundaries, when you have standards in your life for your travel companions, there will always be a Barnabas who will criticize you for having boundaries. They'll say, oh, you're, you're, you're too harsh. You're too legalistic. You're too cold and judgmental. Jesus wouldn't have boundaries for people. Jesus loved everyone. Aren't you supposed to love people? Jesus fellowshiped with sinners. He ate with sin. And it's true. Jesus did love everyone. And Jesus did fellowship with sinners. But Jesus also told sinners, go and sin no more. And in fact, Jesus went so far as to say, if you're going to travel with me, if you're going to walk with, if you're going to follow me, then you need to take up your cross and deny yourself. And if you're not going to take up your cross and follow me, then guess what? You're not going to be able to be on my team, right? So Paul had boundaries. Even Jesus had boundaries. And you know what? It's okay for you and for me to have boundaries with people too. Because guess what? There are a lot of people out there that do not have your best interest at heart. There are a lot of people out there who just want to use you and manipulate you and control you for their own benefit. I hate to tell you that, but it's true. We live in a broken world with a lot of broken people. Amen? And Paul says, you know what? I learned something about Mark. Everybody say Mark. I learned something about Mark, and you know what? I don't think I want him to be close to me anymore. Paul says that some of us need to have some boundaries on social media. Because, social, listen, I'll tell you something. I had to go through my Facebook. In fact, I had to deactivate my Facebook. And I, I mean, I just had to clean out. I had to clean out my mind. Because I came to discover that Facebook was a tool that toxic people love to use. Now, I'm not saying if you're on Facebook, you're toxic. But I'm saying toxic people love social media. Because it becomes a tool for them to inject their poison into your mind. Right? How, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us have lost sleep over something someone posted on social media? Over a comment? How many of us have had a ruined day or a ruined week because of a comment someone put on social media that got trapped in your mind? Some toxic loser injected their poison into your mind and you can't get it out of your system right? Some of us need to have boundaries. Get off social media, right? Now, some people say, well, you know, Paul, he should have, he should have forgiven Mark. I mean, Mark, yeah, he made a mistake. He left them, but aren't we supposed to forgive people? Well, absolutely, we are supposed to forgive people. Amen? Right? We're supposed to forgive people, but, but this is not about forgiveness. What's, what's going on here with Mark and Paul and Barnabas it's not about forgiveness. It's about accountability. Can we say accountability? It's about assessing character and evaluating conduct and behavior and determining whether or not that character and that behavior aligns with your, mind sight, uh, your, your mindset and your journey through life. 
And understand something. Yes, we should forgive people, but forgiving someone for the same behavior over and over without requiring them to change their behavior isn't forgiveness, nor is it loving. You know what it is? It's enabling. It's enabling. Because we are empowering them to repeat the same inappropriate conduct to us by not forcing them to face the consequences. And what are the consequences? The consequences are simply this. You're not coming with me on my journey anymore. The door is shut. It's like this. If I was going to leave town, my wife and I, if we were going to go on a trip and, and we asked you to watch our home and I gave you the keys to my house and I gave you the combination to our, 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 our alarm system and, and, uh, and, and we left out of town, And then we come back a week later and we find out that you were in our house having parties and you were messing everything up and you destroyed all the furniture and you lit the the kitchen on fire and you locked the dog in the closet for a week and didn't take care of it. Guess what? I'll forgive you, but I'm going to be changing the locks. And I'm going to be changing the combination. Because for you, the door has been closed and there's no more access. Now, I forgive you. In the Greek, the word for forgiveness means literally to roll away. It means to roll away. In other words, to forgive someone means that we release, we roll away the grudge that we hold towards them in our heart for the offense that they committed against us. We let go of those, those, those toxic feelings that we have, right? But it does not mean that we don't hold people accountable. Hello? Right? Forgiveness does not remove accountability. Okay? Forgiveness may be granted, but trust is earned. And Paul said to Barnabas, he said, this is not a forgiveness issue. This is a boundaries issue. This is a standard issue. I have standards for those who are my travel companions. It's about trust. It's about safety. It's about reliability. And if you're going to be with me, I need to know that you're someone of integrity that I can count on. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Amen? Okay. So... Number one, we learn from Paul, if you're going to survive conflict and difficult people in your life, then you need to have boundaries. Can you say boundaries? Second thing we learn is this, that Paul, this is is interesting when you see the dynamic between him and Barnabas. Paul did not tie his own personal sense of value or worth to anyone's approval, especially Barnabas. And this is important because Barnabas was a very significant person in Paul's life. Before Paul was saved, his name was Saul. And he was such a vicious persecutor of Christians that even after his conversion, the believers were still afraid of him and didn't want anything to do with him. It was only because Barnabas vouched for Paul that the disciples eventually let Paul into their their churches. Barnabas was Paul's mentor. He was Paul's encourager. He was Paul's partner in ministry. But here they are, Paul and Barnabas, in a major dispute. Now here's the point. We all have significant, very important people in our lives. Parents, bosses, mentors, team members, special friends. And it's common for us to look to these significant others for approval and affirmation of the things that we do. But too, now here's the problem. Too many people get stuck in life. They cannot move forward. They cannot journey forward because their sense of worth 
and dignity and even their identity is dependent on the approval and the affirmation that they get from certain people. In fact, there are some people who will try to leverage their affirmation and their approval over you to give you a sense of validation. They know they have power in their life, and so they will withhold their approval and their affirmation in an attempt to try and manipulate and try to control you. And many people, understand how this works, many people today have an inner struggle They don't like themselves. They feel inadequate. They feel inferior to people. And they need the affirmation of others to feel good about themselves. And if they don't get that affirmation, they start to internalize it and take it personal. They start to feel like, what's wrong with me? There's something missing from me. I'm incomplete because I didn't get that affirmation or that approval. For some, their their entire identity is tied to certain people or certain groups. In fact, they're willing to do anything or become anything just to get approval and acceptance so that they can feel better about themselves. This is why a lot of young people get into trouble with drugs or alcohol, criminal activity, sexual behavior, right? Not because they actually want to do all these things, but they want the approval of their peers that they get when they do those things, right? They feel like they're going to be cool. They feel like they're going to be accepted. They feel like they're going to be in the in crowd. And it's a lie that the enemy uses to bind us. Paul, here's the thing with Paul. Paul, was a, he demonstrated his strength of character. He demonstrated the power of his autonomy, by his identity, by being able to disagree with Barnabas without feeling ashamed to do so. He loved Barnabas. He respected Barnabas. But his sense of worth and value was not tied to Barnabas. In other words, he didn't need Barnabas' approval to like himself. And there are some people in here You are looking to other people to to, to approve of you to feel good about yourself. You don't like yourself unless some guy is giving you attention. You don't like yourself unless some girl is giving you attention. You don't like yourself unless you have somebody validating you. And it's a trap. It's a lie. Paul was able to tell Barnabas. He was able to stand up to Barnabas and say no. Everybody say no. See, when you don't care about people's approval and affirmation, you can say no. You know, there are a lot of people that say yes just because they want people to like them. A lot of people that get involved in ministry just because they want to be approved. They want to be affirmed. They want people to like them. A lot of people getting involved in inappropriate conduct because they want people to... Paul was able to say no to Barnabas. He was able to say, Barnabas, you are wrong. Barnabas, you're not being objective. Barnabas, Mark is your family. He is your cousin. You're a little too close to this, Barnabas. Barnabas, you're being biased. Barnabas, I think you have a conflict of interest here for your family member. Barnabas, this seems like a little bit of nepotism go on. Mark isn't ready. That's what Paul was able to say. Mark isn't ready. And if he comes with us, it could ruin him. And so Paul was able to move forward in his life, to go forward forward in his journey without the affirmation of Barnabas. And for some of us, listen, I'm speaking, I believe I'm speaking prophetically right now, for some of us, say no to that person in your life whom you've given too much power.
that we learn is that our value, our worth cannot be tied to people's affirmation. And the third thing that we learn from Paul is this. When people walked away from Paul, he let them walk. Can you say, let them walk? Let them walk. Verse 39, the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. What does that mean? That means that not every into your life is meant to be a travel companion. One in your life is supposed to be given power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not everyone who comes into your life is supposed to have influence and sway and control over you. People will move in and out of your life. Some will be somewhat permanent. Some will be temporary. Some will be forever. And some are for a season. And some are for a very short time. And what we've got to do is we've got to stop trying to make temporary people permanent. If someone wants to walk out of your life, let them walk. Amen? Don't allow them to try and control you or threaten you or, or, ta- or leverage their, um, your emotions by their approval. If they want to walk, let them walk. Come on, say it with me. Let them walk. Amen. Listen, if they walk, if they leave your life, your life is not over. Just because someone walked out of your life, that's not the end of your story. It's just the end of their part in your story right? Your journey continues. Your life moves on in the will of God. In fact, sometimes the best thing that could happen for you is for some person to walk out of your life. Some people are planted in our lives by the enemy to distract us and drag us down and pull us off course. And God sees their heart. God sees their intent. And He knows the journey that He has marked out for you. And He sees that if you're going to take that journey God has for you, He's got to pull this person out of your life because their dysfunction is going to disable you. And so God is trying to pull them out of your life. And you've got to learn how to let them walk. Stop running after them. Stop chasing after them. Stop begging them to stay. Hello. Amen. And there are other people that you can only love at a distance. It's true. Now listen, I know 1 John 3.11 says love one another. But for some people I say, yeah, look, I love you as long as you stay over there. <laughs> right? We're gonna, listen, we can get along great. No conflicts, no problems, no arguments. As long as you stay over there and I'll stay over here. And then I can love you at a distance. Right? Can you say at a distance? Right? Amen. And, and sometimes this is the only way to keep peace in our lives is to make a separation from people. And this is why Paul and Barnabas separated. They disagreed and could not agree. They couldn't even agree to disagree. The only way they could have peace in their lives was to separate, right? And this is why some people quit ministries or, or, or quit friendships or stop going to places where they know certain people are going to go or step off of teams or even quit jobs or even leave churches. They know that in that context, there's not going to be agreement. And rather than spark division and live in conflict and turmoil, they leave. And sometimes that's taking the higher road. Amen. 
Paul did not try to convince Barnabas to stay. He didn't persuade. He didn't negotiate. He didn't make concessions or compromises. And and I've learned this lesson over 35 years in ministry. I've learned that when people want to leave, let them go. Because if you convince people to stay when they don't want to stay, especially if God's trying to move them out, and you convince them to stay, them staying will become toxic. Not because they're evil, not because they're bad, but because they're not supposed to be there. And you convince them to be there when they shouldn't be there. And so now they've become resentful, they've become bitter, they've become angry, and everything has become toxic. So you've got to, we've got to learn that when people want to walk, let them walk. Don't get offended. Don't lose sleep over. Just say, bye-bye, and let me open the door for you as you leave. I don't mean to sound arrogant. I don't mean to sound unfeeling. I've just learned that not everyone who comes into your life, no matter how good they look or how wonderful they appear to be, not everyone is meant to be a travel companion in your life. If they want to leave, let them leave. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we learn from Paul, we learn that you got to have boundaries for people. Don't connect, don't tie your worth to their approval. If they want to walk, what? Let them walk. And then we learn from Paul. Paul knew. Paul knew that Mark, not being allowed to come with him, that Mark had to make his own journey before he would be ready. I want you to fast forward in Paul's life to a point where he's much older. He's actually in prison. And while he's in prison, he writes to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, he writes this to Timothy. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Only Luke is with me, in verse 11. And then he says this, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me, for ministry. It took time. It took many years, many miles, but Mark did become a trustworthy companion for Paul. Listen, it's not that Paul didn't like Mark. It's not that he was angry at Mark. It's that Paul understood that Mark was not ready for the journey that Paul was going to take. And Paul knew that that Mark had God in his life, and that he had the Holy Spirit, and that God would work all things together for the good in Mark's life according to God's purpose. In a sense, Paul was just releasing Mark to God. But here's the thing, Paul was not going to put his life on hold and his mission on hold waiting for Mark to grow up. Now back in Acts 15, Barnabas, he couldn't see this. Barnabas was too close to Mark. They were cousins. I believe that that he was biased because of of their relationship. There was a conflict of of interest. And Barnabas, I could imagine him saying, but Paul, Mark, he's got so much potential. He's gifted. He's charismatic. He can preach. He can sing. In fact, we could let him sing a couple of songs before you get up to preach, and he could get the crowd warmed up and get the anointing flowing. Marcus, he's so gifted. But Paul was able to discern and see beyond the gifting, and he was able to say to Barnabas, 
Listen, I know he's gifted. I know he's charismatic. But if we promote this young man too soon, that promotion could ruin him. With higher levels come higher devils, right? With advancement and promotion come greater attacks, harder temptations, and more intense warfare, right? And we can, and Paul was saying we cannot allow his gifting to promote him to a place where his character can't support him. Now, we don't know what the issues were affecting this young man. Maybe it was because he came from a well-to-do family, perhaps because he had of his very comfortable upbringing, his very affluent life. Maybe he couldn't handle the sacrifice and the suffering of ministry. Maybe he couldn't handle the hostility and the threats and the rejection that he had to deal with on the mission field. Or perhaps he was just immature and he couldn't handle all the, the, the hard work and the demands that Paul put on him. Maybe he didn't like being told what to do and being given orders and being pushed by a demanding boss. Maybe he misunderstood what ministry was all about with Paul. Maybe he thought it was all about preaching and having people slap you on the back and say, wow, that was great. And he didn't realize that most of ministry was walking miles from town to town day after day in the hot sun on dirty roads. And all Mark saw was let's just get in the pulpit and preach. But he didn't realize that most of it was hard and it was hot and it was sweaty and it was suffering and it was monotonous and it was mundane. And when he got into it, he realized this is not what I signed up for. And Paul said, this youth is not ready. And if I tie myself to his character, it's going to hinder me and it's going to slow me down from the mission that God has called me to. I believe Paul understood Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19, that says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in times of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Not a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. A bad tooth and a foot out of joint. In other words, this kid is going to be a pain in my mouth. He, he is going to hold me back. He is going to slow me down. He is not ready. Here's the interesting thing. Barnabas, the Bible says, took Mark with him. And you know what? We never hear from Barnabas again. Paul said no to Mark, and he went on to write about one-third of the New Testament and plant churches all around Asia Minor. Who you choose on your journey is very important. Amen? It's your travel companions that will determine how far you go. Amen? Now, here's the point. It took time, but Mark grew. He did develop. He did mature. And Paul knew that God was faithful and, and that God would do it. God would bring him to that place. In fact, Mark is the man who wrote the gospel of Mark. See, Mark needed to get on his own journey, and eventually on that journey, Mark would connect with Peter. And tradition says that Peter actually dictated his story, his gospel, and Mark wrote it down. It became the gospel of Mark, right? So Mark made a huge contribution to the kingdom of God, but not by being a missionary, by being a writer. In fact, he wanted to be a missionary, but that's not how, what God designed him for. 
right? And sometimes we want to be something or do something, but that's not what God designed us for. God didn't give Mark a missionary's legs. God didn't give Mark a missionary's stamina. God didn't give Mark a missionary's voice. What God gave Mark was the talent to write. And could it be that perhaps while Paul is in prison, Paul understood this? Paul wasn't journeying. He wasn't traveling anymore. What was he doing? He was sitting in prison doing what? Writing letters. And he said, send Mark to me. Because Mark has finally entered into his gifting and his calling. And he stopped trying to be something he's not supposed to be. And now he's useful to me in ministry. Amen. Amen? Some of you aren't supposed to be on the worship team. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not talking about people on the worship team. I'm talking about people who, I'll let Pastor Chris handle that. But, but <laughs> I think I just went somewhere. I don't know if I want to be. So, right? You know, we see Pastor Chris up there. We see Katie up there. And so, oh, wow, I, I could do that. I could, if they could only hear me in the shower, I could do that. Right? And then you show up for auditions, and Pastor Chris is just like, yeah, thanks. We appreciate you coming. Have you ever thought about children's ministry? (laughs) All right, let's move on. The last thing, the last thing that we learned from Paul is that if you let go of Mark, if you stop connecting yourself to people's affirmation and performing to get their approval, and you start walking as God wants you to walk, and you let go of Mark, God will bring a Timothy into your life. Right after Barnabas and Mark left Paul, a new person enters the scene in Acts chapter 16. How many understand in the actual writing of, of, of Acts, there were no chapter demarcations? It's just one big narrative. But we put the chapters that, that Bible translators put the chapters in this to help us reference better. But it says right after Barnabas and Mark left that Paul came to Dereb and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, here's the point. Paul was not looking for people who were perfect, okay? It wasn't that Mark was imperfect. That's not the the issue here. Paul needed people who had the same mindset. It wasn't about perfection. It wasn't about performance. It was about attitude, and it was about mindset. He wanted people that had a certain attitude, a certain mental toughness, a certain emotional capacity that wouldn't bring constant resistance and tension and work against the mission. He needed a particular mindset because Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? Paul was looking for agreement on the people that were on his team. Now, that's not to say that you should surround yourself with sycophants who only ever agree with you. That's not what I'm saying. What it means is you should surround yourself with people who have the same mindset, people of the same values, who are moving in the same direction, people with whom you will be equally yoked and won't pull you off course, people who understand what shared sacrifice 
is all about. And and Paul needed a Timothy because Paul knew the journey would be hard. It would be long. It would be tedious. And he needed someone who could endure and someone who would embrace the sacrifice no matter what it cost. And he discovered that that was true in Timothy because of verse 3. It says that Paul took Timothy, who was a Greek, and circumcised him. Now understand, Timothy was a grown man. He wasn't a little baby. And Paul said, Timothy, if you're coming with me, you need to understand something. We go into a lot of synagogues. And if you're not circumcised, you're not going to be allowed in the the synagogue. So let me ask you a question. (laughs) And then the Bible says that Paul circumcised, didn't take him to a doctor. Paul, I know I'm being kind of graphic here, but it's just the Bible, okay? It's not me. Paul circumcised. In other words, Timothy demonstrated that he was a man who was willing to do whatever it takes. And Paul said, if you're going to journey with me, If you're going to be a travel companion, if you're going to be a part of this call, then we need to have the same mindset. Amen? And that's what Timothy did. Laid everything down for the gospel. And the point is this. If you're going to survive conflict and toxic encounters, you need people around you who are of the same mindset. Some of us, let me say this, we're going to to close. Some of us, there are some relationships that you need to break. They are pulling you off young people. Hear me. Teenagers, high school, hear me. There are some people you need to shut the door on because they have been planted in your life by the enemy to pull you off of your journey. God has gifted you. God has equipped you. God has constructed you and designed you with a specific purpose in mind. He has a journey for you. And the enemy is trying to bring a John Mark into your life and get you connected to someone else's dysfunction to pull you down and to pull you off of God's plan. And I want you to hear me prophetically at this moment in your life that you need to break relationship with people. And if you will do it, if you will step out now as the Holy Spirit is piercing your heart with this truth, there will be grace available to you to strengthen you to be able to say no to Barnabas and no to Mark. The grace is available to you to break relationships. Everybody say break relationships. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to close the service today by simply praying that God will give us, as people of God in a broken world amidst broken people, greater discernment and wisdom in dealing with people. How many can use a little of that? Amen? Greater discernment and greater wisdom in dealing co-workers, family members, neighbors, social media. I need more discernment. I need more wisdom. How about you? Amen? Amen? And the lessons of Paul, set boundaries. Do not tie your value to other people's approval. If they want to walk, let them walk. Release people to God and let God do His work in them. And look for people like Timothy 
who are like-minded in your journey. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the examples you give us in the life of Paul in the book of Acts so that, Lord God, we can measure our life against these examples. Lord, I want to pray, God, as we're taking our journey through life, and there are so many people, Lord, that want to connect to us. People want to be a part of our journey. People who come into our lives and out of our lives. Lord, give us discernment. Give, Lord, give me discernment. Come on, if that's your prayer, lift a hand to the Lord. Yes, Lord, I need discernment. Come on, ask the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you for discernment right now. Lord, we need discernment. We need understanding, Lord God. We need depth in our knowledge, Lord God, in people's character. Wisdom, Lord. Come on, if you need wisdom, lift that other hand to the Lord and say, yes, Lord. I need wisdom, God. I'm, so, I'm living in a broken world surrounded by broken people, God, and I need wisdom in my relationships, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we serve a gracious God who hears our prayers? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. For those who need to go, Father, I pray you'll bless the, the moms, the dads that need to go and get their kids from Children's Church. Lord, for those of us who want to linger and worship and get prayed for, Lord, let the power of your presence meet with us today. In Jesus' name.